It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 8th, 2016. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Josh McCord is behind the board. Welcome to the program, Josh. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to have you here. Look forward to your comments, Josh. I know you got some already in the queue. I didn't hear him. Did you have him up? I, I did. Try it again there, Josh. Josh talk talk right in now. now. I got you. Yeah, you get right yeah, in yeah, that yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, uh, look forward to the discussion tonight. And if you've not signed in the chat room, if you're watching us live, do so now. If you're listening to us on the phone uh, or on, on uh, listen to well, us. Maybe on a phone. Yeah, on your phone. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can call 877-381-4567 or uh, you send an email to questions at collegeview.com. A um, couple quick reminders. Uh, get a bumper sticker if you want one to advertise the virtual Bible study. Um, those are absolutely free, no charge. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, uh, remember our upcoming gospel meeting at College View in October, October 23 through 28. Uh, keep that in mind. Might also mention that the last night of that gospel meeting, October 28th, is going to be devoted to singing. And Jim Deason from Coleman, Alabama, will be here to lead us in a in a period of singing that night rather than a regular preaching service. So right. uh, be aware and make plans to be with us in college, at College View. If you're anywhere near the Middle Tennessee area, come and join us for this gospel meeting October 23rd through 28th. And that singing will be a cappella. It will be uh, without instrumental uh, back support and accompaniment uh, because that's what we believe the Bible teaches. If you have questions about that, you can email us or you can look in our archives. Find or out what or we believe come, about and s- come and see what we do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. We got a topic that we sent out for our uh, update list earlier today, uh, about 1130 or so today. We sent out this update um, asking the question, why is there so much religious confusion and division? Yes. I think that's something that really bothers people a lot, um, and I, some people think it's just an unsolvable thing. And shortly after our email went out, we got a, a, a phone call on our answering machine uh, from someone who apparently listens or is at least on our update list, and uh, the, the area code indicated a St. Louis, Missouri-type uh, phone number. Uh, but I, I saved that recording because I, th- I thought it sort of expressed the the outlook that a lot of people have about religious division and confusion. It's good that we can take a comment like this. Yeah. So let's uh, let's hear that now and then uh, get your thoughts. I uh, work evenings, so I really can't get on your show, but I wanted to leave a comment for your show. Even though the Bible is the Word of God, people will never see it alike. Because it all comes down to interpretation and what church you were raised in. Unfortunately, there will never be a time when people see everything alike. I have heard there's 
Hey, and uh, thank you for the comment. We're glad yeah, that yeah. you uh, yeah. that you sent that in. And uh, I think it does a really good job of expressing the way most people look at this problem, and it is a big problem. You know, the idea of well, it's just going to happen, and it's unavoidable, and you just can't keep it from happening. Now, I've got to admit that I agree with him that there will always be differences in understanding the Bible and different uh, beliefs about the Bible. I, that's that's explained in the in the scriptures. In fact, it may get worse and worse as time goes on. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I think maybe the attitude in the sermon is, well, that's just the way it has to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Well, it will be that way. And we'll talk about that as we get into it. But the the flaw is in us, not with God. Uh, It's not in regards to the Bible. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is us. And uh, so I thought we would talk about that tonight because I do think it's a troubling thing in the minds of lots of people. All the, I mean, you look out here on the religious uh, landscape, and there's thousands of different religious organizations, and all of them are different from all others. Each of them is different from all others, at least in some particular way, or they would be one. Yeah. In other words, if if this denomination and that denomination agreed about everything. They they would be united. They wouldn't be two distinct different groups. Right. So the fact that we have all these denominations indicates that there's just all that much difference and confusion. As we have pointed out lots of times on the virtual Bible study, the, the actual word denomination suggests division. Yes. To denominate is to divide. Yes. Uh, when we studied fractions in grade school, there was the numerator on top. There was the denominator on on the bottom. The denominator is what does the dividing in a fraction. It's what does the dividing in the religious world, too. Denominationalism, by very definition, is a divided religious state. And uh, I, I believe that it is contrary to the will of God that it be that way. All right, so this that's, a, this, that, that's some good groundwork to lay. Is Obviously, we see division in the, in the religious world today. We see differences in understanding. We see uh, confusion about what the Bible teaches. One viewpoint... And a common viewpoint in our society today is, I don't know that it's necessarily reflected in the caller's sentiments, but perhaps, is that that's just the way it is, and it's really not that big a deal. And you really can't do anything about it. It's up to you. I mean, it's all about how you interpret it, and you see it your way, I see it mine, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. We're all on the same road, leading or different roads leading to the same place. Uh, again, I don't know that. I, I don't know that. I don't think. I don't necessarily think that maybe what the caller sentiment yeah. was. But that's so common and prevalent in our society. Yeah, uh, yeah. A majority of people, it seems, view it that yeah, way. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, um, I, I suggested four reasons <clears throat> that people blame for all this religious division and confusion. And I ask uh, our people on our email list to comment about this, and we want to comment about it on our. Uh, in our program tonight, there may be more, but I think these are four very prominent reasons people give as to why the religious world is so divided, and there are so many conflict, conflicting and confusing doctrines. First of all, they say God's will is not fully revealed and or it is incomplete. Number two, the Bible contains errors and contradictions. Number three, the Bible is impossible to understand and number four, God is really okay with this situation. He's okay with a divided religious world. I think if we if we cover those four areas, we're going to cover the vast majority of reasons why people think religious division is going to be there and it can't be helped. Uh, and then after we've covered that, because I don't think any of those reasons are legitimate, 
Right. Uh, but I think there are some real reasons why religious division exists, and we want to talk about those uh, as we get further into our study. All right. So the, uh, where we're headed with this is that we think we can be united. We can understand the Bible alike. And uh, if you dif- disagree with us uh, on any subject, we believe that we can come to an agreement uh, if we'll uh, approach the Scriptures the right way. We'll talk about that as we go along. Yeah, so let's start out. Let's talk about some of the things that we do not believe are the contributing factors, some of the things that are not responsible. Now, are we in a divided religious world? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, incredible division. You know, they they used to talk about 1,700, 1,750, then 2,000 different uh, denominations in the United States. I think people have given up trying to count them now. I, I don't even think you can get a, a legitimate number on how many different religious organizations there are in the United States. I, I don't think it's even calculable. Our, ca- our caller suggested maybe multiples even beginning every day. Maybe. And, and, he may be right about that. It, but certainly there are so many different uh, groups and denominations. It's, it's, it's a shameful, uh, but it is a fact of life. Let's talk about the first reason I suggested. Some people say, well, it's going to happen because God's will is not fully revealed to mankind. It's incomplete. What We, we don't have God's complete uh, information. We don't have everything we need. Uh, if we had everything we needed, if all the questions were answered, then we, we could all get on the same page. But the fact of the matter is we don't have it all. Um, and, and I just believe that's a false premise to begin with. In in John chapter 16, uh, when Jesus was speaking to his apostles, now this is just shortly before he would be arrested, tried, and crucified, he said in John 16, verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. To his apostles he promised that the holy spirit would come upon them this is not this is not a statement to to humankind in general this was a promise a specific promise to the apostles and jesus said i'm going to send my holy i'm going to send the holy spirit of god upon you and he will guide you you apostles into all truth and there's a promise that all of truth would come uh in the lifetime of those inspired apostles yes uh so did it come or did it not? Was Jesus telling the truth or was he not telling the truth? That's a question we have to answer. Well, yeah, uh, either either that's a true statement on the part of Jesus or he didn't fulfill a promise right. that he made. That was a dis- distinct I mean, and direct promise. Can't get around the yeah. clarity there. But Peter, one of those to whom that promise was made, Peter said in Second Peter 1 verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true uh, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence notice peter said and he, he uses a past tense verb his divine power has granted that's past tense that means it was already accomplished while when peter was writing those words he was describing a situation in which everything pertaining to life and godliness had already been laid out yeah so uh i you know I just think that we have to deny the argument that says the reason why we're divided is we don't have all the information we need. That's just not true. Not true. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Josh? 
Yeah, Peter also in First Peter 1 and verse 23, talking about being born again, not of corruptible not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So it's it's already been revealed, and it's here. It's not like it was here just for a little time, and now we don't oh, we know. we lost it. Yeah, I mean, it's still here, and it's going to abide forever. I God's think, word is. I think you're exactly right, Josh. We got an email from Kent in uh, North Georgia, and he says about this idea that God's will is not fully revealed or it's incomplete. He said this statement is false. God's will is complete. The scriptures are plenary and verbally inspired of God. They constitute our exclusive standard for authority in all areas of life and are designed to make us complete, furnished completely into every authorized work. And he references 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. And I think that's a good verse to throw into that. Certainly discussion. that one has to be brought into the mix uh, that, uh, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. What were thoroughly furnished, completely furnished? all good works and how by the scriptures okay now if you think about that then when we pick up our bibles we have the necessary information it's just a matter of getting it from here to here and making application in in my life it's not that it's not there it's it's here uh if if words mean anything at all god has told us that he has fully revealed his mind to us that it's a finished and completed process. We are not waiting for more information. We don't need more information. Uh, it's all here. All right. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and it abides forever. Both passages from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and verse 23. So we have everything we need. It hasn't gone anywhere since it was revealed. Uh, so we have uh, the full revelation. It is complete. We have everything that we need. Now, let's grab a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about, well, we've got the Bible, but it's full of errors and contradictions. And and people are going to offer that as an excuse and say, well, yeah, but you can read one thing in one place in the Bible and you can read something exactly the opposite in another place in the Bible. It's full of contradictions. Uh, and that's why people don't agree, because the Bible itself is not in agreement with itself uh, let's talk about that when we come back for this break. Philip is in the chat room tonight, sending in his comments that we, inc- we will include as we go along, and we'll want yours as well. Sign in the chat room if you haven't signed in yet, or better yet, give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Whosoever gossips to you will be a gossip about you. Compare that to the word of God in Proverbs 11, verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Again, ignorance is always swift to speak. Compare that to the word of God, James 1, verse 19. 
Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about religious confusion and disagreement and division. Is it something that's unavoidable? Or it does? do the Scriptures teach us something else? Let us know your thoughts. Look forward to hearing from you tonight. What about the idea that the Bible... The reason, really, as we were saying just before we went to break, the reason why we can't agree is because the Bible doesn't agree with itself. Man, it is full of contradictions. You know, that's a that's a real easy accusation to throw out. And, of course, skeptics have been throwing that out uh, for a long time. Um, and if it were true, then we'd have a real problem. You know, it would you know, explain... The, the the problem. So, for instance, if you had a math textbook that said 2 plus 2 is 4 on one page, and another page that said 2 plus 2 is 5, and when you asked the question to one person, you said, what's 2 plus 2? He said 5, and I saw you look at this page here, it says it, and the other guy says it's 4, look at this page. Well, then you can understand why there's a disagreement and division, because yeah. you can't rely and on if, the textbook. And, and if I took a test, and I, got, and I put down 5 and got marked wrong... I'd say, I'm not right. And I, I would pull out the book and I'd say, right here on this page is right. the proof that my right. answer is correct. Right. Now, there may be another answer to the same question, but my answer is in the book. Right. And it's got to be okay. Now, and so what, I think that's a good illustration. And if the Bible was like that, then we, we would obviously have people doing different things, but they would be doing the different things because they found them in the Bible. Right. But, but the fact of the matter is, the Bible does not say different things. It does not say contradictory things. Uh, that's a whole big study in and of itself. But I, I, I brought uh, one of the books uh, out of my library that I had for a long time. It's a really good reference work, and I might recommend it if anybody is interested in having such a book. You ought to look for Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible by John W. Haley. Uh, and in it, he's got literally... Uh, hundreds of supposed contradictions. People have suggested this verse contradicts that verse. And what he does in a very thorough manner is he just goes through and he deals with every one of them. Now, there's no way we could deal with the many hundreds of different alleged, and that's the name of the book, alleged discrepancy of the Bible. They're not factual contradictions in the Bible because uh, as Haley was able to do in his reference work, He's able to give a, a feasible explanation for every one of those. I've often pointed out, I think, on the virtual Bible side many times, that if you have a potential contradiction, all you need is one feasible explanation that resolves the contradiction. You only need one. In many instances, there are multiple potential explanations that dissolve the contradiction but the contradictions all melt away. And so it's it's an unfair accusation. Again, it's very easy to throw it out. And skeptics and critics of the Bible have done that for centuries. Just throw out this accusation. Oh, yeah, the Bible's full of contradictions. And the fact of the matter is it's not. Okay. All right. Again, yeah, it, that's sort of the cheap way out, too, if you think about it. Yeah. No, that's just, let's just discount it without really any yeah. re- factual reason. Yeah. If, if you're going to make that charge... By all means, present some proof. Don't just throw that out there. Present some proof and let us deal with that. We'll try very well to deal with that. But don't just make the accusation without substantiating something. Right. Uh, Kent says in his email, uh, this statement is false, that the Bible contains errors and contradictions. 
The case being of its design, being plenary and verbally inspired, serving as our exclusive standard of authority, disproves this contention. Making the charge of the Bible containing errors and contradictions does not constitute proof. In every single instance where specifics are cited concerning this claim, such is demonstrated to be false. There are no errors or contradictions. When the alleged discrepancies are investigated, they always prove to be difficulties in the minds of those who bring forth these false charges. So what Ken's saying there is exactly what we were saying is they're just not sustainable contradictions. And here's the thing. If you're going to make that argument to explain why you differ from someone else religiously, then you, when you do that, you condemn yourself. You need to just throw the Bible out. Rather than you holding on to one practice and, and, and somebody else holding on to another practice, but all of us need to just throw it away and quit. Because if, <laughs> if it claims to be from God and it's got these contradictions and errors in it, then it is not worth the paper it's printed on. I think that's a really good point. In other words, uh, here I am in this particular denomination, and you are over there in that denomination. And we both have our Bibles, and we both cherish our Bibles, and we both acknowledge and give credence to our Bibles. But I'm saying the reason I'm in this denomination and you are that one is because the Bible has contradictions in it that lead us in these different directions. Well, wait a minute. If the Bible leads us in different directions, it's a flawed document. Right. It should be rejected. Right. Uh, we should just, as you said, throw it away and go fishing on Sunday because we're we're just wasting our time here. Right. If the Bible, if if God could not, pro- if God could not produce a document that's free of error, then he's he's not the all powerful God that he claims to be. Right. Okay. I just think it's, it's, it borders on blasphemy to make that accusation against the Bible. All right. Guest 514 wants to know the name of the book written uh, by John W. Again, Hayes. it's Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible. It's a good reference book, book to have on your shelf. All right. Check Alleged it out. Discrepancy of the Bible. Josh, right. you got anything on that? Yeah, it was along the same lines as you, if God can't, you know, and that kind of goes to the next point, impossible to understand, but it's really a slap in the face to say, you know, God couldn't, all-knowing and all-powerful God couldn't give us a, a document that we could understand and know what to do, what's and, and right. Keep, and, and keep it from contradicting itself. Right. You know, he's got these inspired people, and he's not in control of them. They're out here writing different stuff and contradicting each other. That, that's, that just borders on blasphemy. Sign in the chat room. Send us your thoughts. Call us, 877-381-4567. Well, as Josh just hinted, another closely related argument to this is that, well, okay, we've got the Bible. And it's, it's, it's complete. And we've got the Bible, and it has no contradictions in it. So here's the, the guy, he's coming along, you know, he's granting point one. It's okay. all here. Right. Point two, it does not contradict. Point three, the big problem, though, is it's impossible to understand it. Yeah, now that may be where our caller was heading, although I don't know. It's hard to know for sure from the short message. But that is a common theme in the world today is that well it's just impossible for us to understand it's so confusing so difficult there's just going to be different he used the word interpretation there's going to be different interpretations and 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 that and then he said it depends on what church you were brought up in suggesting you know you're going to bring your own background and your own biases and prejudices into this and uh and so in there's going to be different interpretations unavoidably because really the Bible is underlying that. And we'll talk more about that statement when we get to the last part of our study. But 
underlying that whole concept is the idea no one it's just really a book that no one could you can't set two honest people down and have them read a Bible and come to the same conclusion. It it, is, you just can't get it's it. It's too complicated. It's too complicated. Now, it's impossible to understand. We don't use that same approach with other things that are complicated. For instance, calculus or rocket science. Brain surgery. Brain surgery. We expect, well, it's difficult, but there is an absolute. Yeah. There is an absolute right and wrong in the brain surgery realm. Yeah. Uh, we don't ex- go to a doctor and say, well, you know, it's too complicated. Just try and mother your way through it when you cut me open when we were studying calculus in school they expected it that's a difficult subject it's a difficult subject but they expected us to get the right answers right the answers are out there you just got to get them even if it's difficult you got to get them right but when we get to religious matters it seems to go out the window perhaps it's not the true cause the true reason maybe it is a uh, just a veiled excuse, yeah, back but up in, uh, we'll talk about that. Back up in the chat room, uh, Philip referenced uh, Ephesians 3, beginning verse 3, and I think this is really pertinent to this idea. You can't understand the Bible. Uh, Philip suggested Ephesians 3, beginning verse 3, how that by revelation he, God, made known unto me, Paul, the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Uh, so uh, he says the reason there's problems is people don't want to read and they don't want to study the, the, the text. But Paul says that when you, God revealed it to me, I wrote it down. When you read it, you can understand it. A very, very plain. Ephesians 3, 3, and 4. Now, Philip is on the same brainwave that you were, uh, Josh, before the program. Right. You mentioned this verse as well. Yeah, Ephesians five seventeen. Paul said, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding okay. what the will of the Lord is. All right, that's the passage you were referring to yeah. earlier, but yes, same so. same thing. Yes, so well, God I, is saying that you, you can understand fact, what the will is, to. and it's a commandment. It's a commandment. Chapter that's, 3, then he steps it up in yeah. chapter 5 and says, You must understand it. Yeah, I think that's really, I mean, I, I don't see how you get around that. To the people who say you can't understand the Bible, they're saying that God commanded us to do something that's impossible to do. That's not in the nature of God. That would not be a loving, compassionate God who is going to put a requirement on us that we're incapable of accomplishing. Yeah, uh, yeah that's same same thing Kent mentioned here. He says God never places a divine obligation upon us that is impossible to obey. We are to study, 2 Timothy 2.15 same verse that Philip mentioned later on in the chat room. He says, such implies that we can draw proper conclusions from studying the scriptures. Also, Christ stated that we can know the truth by uh, knowing, and by knowing such, uh, be made free from sin. John eight thirty two through 36. Ah, Jesus said we can know the truth, didn't he? There in you John can chapter know 8. the truth. Good point, Kent. Yeah. You, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, no, I can't know the truth. It's not possible. It's impossible to understand the Bible. I can't know. Jesus said I could know. In fact, he said it was necessary to know so I could be free from sin. And he, he said the truth was singular there, too, the truth. You should know the truth. Now, this is a very different message than what people are uh, preaching in the world today. And quite frankly, I'm going to go with Jesus, well, because he said so. But it also, it's a much more comforting uh, uh, position to be confident that I can know what God's will is. I don't just have to go with some subjective feeling yeah, yeah. or just uh, well, take a well, guess. You know, it, it's really a scary thing to think that something as essential as our eternal salvation is left out here in this realm of vague uncertainty. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think it can be stated definitely. 
you you want your soul's salvation to be left in that realm? I think, as you said, Jacob, the good word is much more comforting to say, no, it's here. I, if I dig it out, the answer's there, and I and, and I can do it if because God said I could do it. Understand His word. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. And you know, maybe that's. Um, Maybe that's uh, another reason we will talk about here in a little bit, but maybe people are are trying to make this overly complicated. You know, we talk about it being difficult to understand. Is it really that difficult to understand, or you know, do we you just know, you know, the, objectively I, make it difficult? Yeah, I think some people just won't even try because they've been fed this line that it is so hard, and they've just accepted that. You know, some people are that way about other subjects. You know, maybe some difficult, uh, you know, chemistry. Oh, chemistry, man, chemistry is a killer. I can't understand chemistry. I can't understand physics. Are you kidding? There's no way I could understand. I'm not even going to try. And so I go to school and I got to, you know, got to uh, sign up for electives. And one of the one of the potential electives is uh, organic chemistry. I'm going to tell you the little bit that I've been exposed to organic chemistry. I'm willing to say. That is impossible to understand. I'm not even going to try that. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I won't try, but plenty of people have tried, and they've been able to figure it out, and and they've made real progress because they've applied themselves to know the subject. That's what we got to do with the Word of God. If it's that important, and it's more, it is that important, more important than any other study we might do. We need to apply ourselves. It can be understood. All right. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, talks about the fact that it's, uh, you know, that this, he's, uh, he's revealed these things to the simple, uh, not necessarily to those uh, who Oh, are, yeah, I think that's a good verse. How does that read? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there around verse 26, I think. Um, uh, see, you're calling, brethren, that not, verse 26, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble right. are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things that are uh, which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring uh, to nothing the things that are. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's First Corinthians, First Corinthians yeah. one twenty six yeah. and following. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so uh, yeah, it's maybe a, it's just one of those things that sort of makes us feel better if we say it's too complicated to understand rather yeah. than me just getting in and trying to understand it. All right, let's grab our break. We've got one more thing to talk about before we go to what really is the root cause of disagreement, confusion, and division in the religious world. But when we get back, let's talk about, is God okay with it? Maybe the reason why it, we don't even worry about it is because God's okay with a divided religious world. Not that big a deal. All yeah. right, we'll get a break. We'll get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts on the other side. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We hear an expression fairly often these days which says, you have to pick your battles. That concept is applied in politics, in business matters, in personal relationship situations, and so forth. While there may be some fair application in those realms, we are seriously concerned when we hear folks saying this about religious issues. Even some of our own brethren are picking up this faulty notion. The expression, pick your battles, suggests that on some things you have to compromise. Perhaps it's not what you really want or think is right. Maybe it's not best, but sometimes you just have to let the other fellow have his way. What about this idea? 
Well, first, if it's a doctrinal matter, there's no picking for us to do. God has already revealed the truth on the subject, and faithful Christians cannot choose to ignore a situation where others are violating His will. If it is an issue of truth and righteousness, we must follow the pattern set by the Apostle Paul. When false teachers attempted to push their error, Paul said, quote, We gave place by subjection, no not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 5. We ought to do likewise. The battle is already engaged. There's no picking for us to do. Now, on the other hand, when the issue is not doctrinal, but rather an opinion or judgment matter, there's no picking of battles here either, because there should be no battle at all. In this sort of scenario, we ought to, quote, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. So many church problems could be avoided if all had this attitude. And so what about this expression, you have to pick your battles? No, not in service to God. There's no place for that sort of approach here. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been there, check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. All right. We've talked about things that we really don't think are responsible for religious division and confusion. Uh, God's will is fully revealed. The Bible contains no errors. The Bible is understandable. But I think probably the biggest root cause for all the religious division we see existing in the world today is because people think it doesn't matter. It's okay. God doesn't care. God is okay with religious division. I really think that's a very prevalent view. You know, uh, you used to see it on the back of semi-trucks, and it used to be on pizza boxes, attend the church of your choice this Sunday. Yeah. That indicates to me that it's not that big a deal, at least in some people's minds. They're encouraging the division. Yeah. You go your way, I'll go mine. That's that's the encouragement. That's the uh, exhortation. You know, uh, about... I don't know. I don't know how many years to put on this. 50 to 75 years ago, there began to be this big push called the ecumenical movement. And the ecumenical movement was really promoting that idea, you believe what you believe, it's okay. I believe something different, but that's okay too. You're okay, I'm okay. And that really took root. People people swallowed that hook, line, and sinker because, it, for one reason, it's a very, very easy thing to you know, it, I don't have to. I don't have to prove that I'm right and you're wrong, if it doesn't matter. And and so yeah. you know, so people just went went after that whole hog, and uh, it really took root. And that's where almost everybody is now. What you believe doesn't matter. God doesn't care what you believe. That, that everything's okay. That time frame you put onto there, you, you there was prior to this time there were numerous religious debates. Yeah. Of all kind of on all kinds of different subjects now. They're a very rare thing. You can't get anybody to debate what they believe. You can't. You, if you press someone, in other words, here are two people, and they disagree, and you try to get one of those people to, to prove why he believes is right, he won't do it. He will not engage in that discussion. You know, we, we've made lots of efforts to try to get people to, uh, of different religious viewpoints to come and talk with us on the virtual Bible study, to have a phone interview. We've done a number of those. 
But it's like pulling hen's teeth to try and get people to do that. They just are not interested in trying to make a defense of what they believe. And underlying reason why is because they don't think it matters. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Look forward to hearing from you tonight. Does it matter? Does God care? Well, uh, Jesus cared in John chapter 17. Uh, Jesus, before his crucifixion, he cared that we all saw things the same way. Uh, Verse 20 of John 17, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus said that it was so important to him just moments, perhaps, before uh, his uh, ultimate uh, betrayal and crucifixion. He yeah. is concerned. Well, what would you be praying about if you knew, if you're praying tonight and you know you're going to die tomorrow? What are you praying about? What are you thinking about? You're only going to be thinking about the things most important on your mind. Not about the job. No. Not about the garden. I got know, a, the rain. I, and I dent, I got a. I was in a fender bender today and I dented my car. Yeah. No, that's totally unimportant. If I'm dying tomorrow morning, it's totally unim. Nothing but only the very most important things are on my mind. This was on his mind, indicating it was very important to him. Yeah. So, uh... Notice in that wording that they all may be one. Oh, well, we're one. We have this unity in diversity. Yeah. You believe one thing. I believe something completely different. But but we call it unity. Harmony. It's harmony. Unity and diversity is the expression that has... No, Jesus prayed that they all may be one, all of his followers, that they all may be one... As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That's perfect harmony. That's not an agreement to disagree. That's complete harmony. And notice that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus understood, and I think he was obviously right about it. Jesus understood that if his disciples would end up in a divided state, it would be detrimental to convincing the world that he was the Son of God. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Jesus said it would be detrimental. You think he's right? Do we see that today? Does it is it causing folks to just throw up their hands and say it doesn't really matter? Uh, because, well, there's so many different views on it, nobody can know for sure. Another really good verse, I think, was what Paul said to the to Christians in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That does not sound like unity and diversity and you're okay, I'm okay, and don't worry about the division. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, God, uh, Jesus wanted it. Paul instructed it that we had to be perfectly joined together. Uh, Kent, in his email, deals with some of the very same things we were saying. He says, God, actually okay with division? Such a view is fatally false and is condemned by the scriptures. John 17, where you read, Romans 16, 17, 18, where we're supposed to mark those who cause division. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, which I just read. When false doctrine and or unauthorized practices are being introduced, division becomes necessary. However, those who introduce these false views and practices are responsible for the division, not those who follow God's divine pattern. Well said, Kent. Thank you, Kent. All right. All right. So let's go on now. 
I think we've handled that. I think we've handled what has to be probably the, at least the top four reasons people think that there's division. And we've shown that none of those are legitimate reasons why we should be divided. Right. So what are some of the real things that cause division? Um, Send those in the chat room tonight if you yeah, have. If you haven't responded yet, do so. What do you think are some of the reasons that do cause division? One of the things I think has got to be up at the top of the list is lack of Bible knowledge. If I'm not knowledgeable, then you can lead me anywhere you want me to go. If, I, if I'm not studying my Bible carefully, then it's easy for you to just take me anywhere. Uh, I'll be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, as the Scripture says. Uh, and so the thing that will help minimize religious division is if everybody who identifies themselves as a follower of Christ gets busy learning what the Bible says. We need more knowledge. All right. Um, we've got to have more knowledge uh, because the Bible is, Jesus, uh, Jesus said he was going to guide us, into, the Spirit will guide us to all truth. Peter said that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Paul said that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So we've been given everything we, we, we need. It is the power of God to salvation. And so, therefore, we've got to study and understand it. I was thinking of, a, of an analogy here, Jacob. Think of a situation. You know, when people get ready to get a driver's license, they, the, the, the state actually has a printed-up book that has traffic rules to be, and you you have to know these. You have to know them well enough to pass a test. The reason being that uh, if we got a lot of drivers out there on the highway and they don't know the rules, man, it's going to be chaos. I mean, it's going to be a dangerous place. To pe- people be careening off of one another in, uh, at every street corner. We want people to know, have knowledge of what the rules are. Because that's really the only way we can pull this thing off. And so you got to get the book, you got to read the book, you got to learn the book, and you got to pass a test on the book before we're going to let you drive out here in the street. Knowledge, critical knowledge, if this is going to work. Well, that's the same principle with the Word of God. We need the critical knowledge of His Word. And lack of that knowledge is what lends to chaos. In, In Romans chapter 10, Paul said, beginning verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, which clearly indicates that they weren't saved. He says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They were zealous, but they weren't knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. So they were lost. Why were they lost? Not because they weren't enthusiastically trying to seek God or zealously doing their religious service. They were lost because they didn't have knowledge. He says, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Now, the problem was they didn't have knowledge. Again, not because it hadn't been supplied, not because it hadn't been revealed. They just hadn't accepted it. They hadn't applied themselves to know it. All right. Now, you mentioned earlier in our discussion tonight, Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But before that, in chapter uh, 3, same chapter, verse 13, immediately preceding that. We need to understand that we need to know and we need to make sure that we know the right things because there are going to be deceivers who will lead us astray. Notice this, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from a chi- the, from childhood 
You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You've got to study. You've got to know the Scriptures. And you've got, to make sure, you've got to know them so that you're not led astray by the many, many deceivers that are in the world today. I think you're exactly right. All right. So you've got to have knowledge, and that prevents us from being deceived and led astray. Yeah. And as you were just saying, one of the big root causes of all the division that exists are these false teachers. And there are plenty of them out there. There are all kinds of false teachers who are leading people astray. Uh, Jesus said, um, Matthew 15, verse 9, In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Notice they were teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. What did it do? It made their worship vain. Uh, Galatians 1, 8 and 9 Paul says, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Um, That's just very strong warnings. People can be telling you the wrong stuff. Be aware of that because it will take you in a wrong direction. Um, You know, there's a lot of people out in the world who, who want to give us their religious opinion. Uh, you know, we've got preachers and we've got church organizations, but we've even got family members and friends and coworkers who try to push certain religious viewpoints on us. Uh, and very often they are not right. And we've got, again, back to our first point, you've got to be knowledgeable. And then you've got to be willing to test what you're being told because there are a lot of false teachers out there. Yep. Second Timothy chapter 3 still, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then drop down to verse 6, talking about folks. Of this sort are those who creep into households and take, make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. But they will progress no farther, as their, for their folly will be manifest to all, as also uh, theirs was. So there are folks who are going about leading people astray, and uh, we've got to make sure we're aware of that. Yeah. Um, let's grab a quick break and then we'll go quickly to the top of the hour talking about what are what are the real causes there are a lot of things that people accuse for the religious division that exists that are not so but there are some real reasons one as we've said lack of knowledge another as we've said is false teachers who are prevalent in the religious world we'll talk about some more when we get right back from this break and in the chat room tonight uh, philip says that uh, this uh, unity that we're supposed to have that we're commanded to have is going to have to require work. He references Ephesians 4, verses 3 and 4, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, that's our job. And a good point, uh, Philip, because a lot of people are acting like, eh, it's not a big deal, I don't have to work at it because it doesn't matter. That says it does matter, and that we should put forth effort to be united. Well, because my, Truly soul, united. my soul depends on it, but the souls of others depend on my understanding of the truth, and being willing to apply it. Exactly right. All right, we're going to take a break and get your thoughts. we go to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. 
Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half, 56% of Americans, were high income by the global standard, living on more than $50 per day in the year 2011. That's the latest year that could be analyzed with available data. Another 32% were upper middle income. In other words, almost 9 out of every 10 Americans had a standard of living that was above the global middle income standard. Only 7% of people in the U.S. were middle income, 3% were low income, and 2% were poor. Compare that with the rest of the world, where 13% of people globally could be considered middle income in 2011. Most people in the world were either low income, 56%, or poor, 15%, and relatively few were upper middle income, only 9%, or high income, 7%. That information is via Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 6, beginning verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about religious confusion and disagreement. Is it necessary? No. Why does it happen? We're looking at that now. It happens because of lack of knowledge. Therefore, people can be easily swayed. There are plenty of religious false teachers out there, as we were just describing. Another factor I had on my list, Jacob, was people have strongly held preconceived notions. Uh, you know, uh, that's just the way I always that's that's the way that's the way my great grandmother believed. You know, or my dear old mother. That's the way she. That's what she always taught me, and that's just what I'm going to believe because that's what I've always believed. It's what we've done. It's what we've always done, and I'm not changing. You know, I don't care. Don't I'm not interested in you showing me anything from the Bible because I'm not interested in changing. I, you know, I have my religion and I'm happy with it. I'm fully satisfied with where I am religiously, and that's just that's just a a, a very hard thing to overcome. Very very common opinion, but hard to overcome. Yes, um, because we bring well. It, the, the the caller that we started the program with tonight said it just matters it matters what, what, what church you're yeah. brought up in. Yeah. Well, that's true, and that that's a true statement. Yeah, because we do bring these preconceived notions with us. Does that make it right? No, absolutely not. Jesus talked about some people with strongly held preconceived notions. Matthew thirteen fifteen. This people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. They wouldn't even listen to Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised that they won't listen to any argument that we might try to make from the Bible, because even Jesus himself was not able to persuade that sort of person. And you talk about preconceived notions and what church they were brought up in. 
What about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They could not even remotely accept that Jesus was the Messiah because of their preconceived notions. Was that Does that make it okay? Did, did Jesus come to earth to say, well, there's no way that we're all going to see it alike? No, it was wrong that they had the preconceived notions. They needed to divorce themselves of those notions and submit to the truth. You know, what's, uh, back to this idea of, you know, God's okay with division. We, we know he's not. But the people who take that position, even those people have so, some line they draw and say that is too far. Right. You know, well, where are you going to draw that line? You know, oh, the, the Mormons have gone too far. The, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I just can't, I can't accept that. Uh, the Catholics, I can't go along with the Catholics. Well, what what makes their position untenable, but yours is okay, and somebody else is okay, but you just can't go that far? Where, once you once you cross the line. Uh, of leaving Bible authority behind, there's really no stopping It's place. an arbitrary line that you're drawing yeah. if you don't draw it on the truths of God's Word. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said we should hunger and thirst after righteousness. That ought to be, our craving ought to be to know the, the truth of God and apply it in our lives. Any thought, Josh? Josh? Yeah, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10, second half of the verse says because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I think that's a big problem because yeah. people don't love the truth. I love what my family has always taught me or what church I've always been a part of, and I don't really want to change because I don't love the truth. I think we need to be humble and and just look at the truth and try to try to just do that. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. All right, and then I got one more thing on my list, and then we got I, uh, Kent sent in a list of things that he thought were contributors. I've got. Just my own self-will. It's just what I want. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, Paul said, These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion, but are of no value. Self-made religion. It's what I want. It's, it's my will. I'm going to do it my way. Paul said that uh, that approach to religion is of no value. It's a self-made religion, but it's of no value. You know, you talk about this self-will, self-desire. Back to Second Timothy three, the passage we referenced earlier, that the, these gullible women are going to be led away by these deceivers. Notice why they were led away. They were led away by various lust, what they wanted to do, their mm-hmm. personal desires. And I got to thinking earlier today about that. That you know, the very first sin in the world when uh, Eve was led astray by the serpent. Very simple to understand instructions. There, it, we can't argue that she couldn't understand the uh, the uh, instructions. She recited. She knew the she knew the rules and she recited. There were no errors or contradictions in that instruction. Very simple, and it was easy to understand. Why was she led astray? You I mean, you think it couldn't be any simpler, more clear cut than that? Why was she led astray? She was led astray because of her desires, her, yeah. her personal desires and lust. Yeah, and uh, and so that is occurring today as well. P- and when you do that, there, folks don't want to just say, oh, I don't care what God wants to do. I'm just going to do what I want to do. They are, they if they are concerned about God and being right with him, but they still want to do their own will, then they're going to believe a lie that says it's okay, that God's happy with me doing this. Uh, and and that's how this is happening with so many folks today. Yeah, I think okay. you're exactly right. Let me get quickly to Kent's email. He gave uh, one, two, three, four, five, six things. There'll be some overlap with what we're saying, but he's got some good points here. 
the reasons why there are why there is so much religious confusion and division numerous reasons he says number one not reasoning correctly uh first thessalonians 5 verse 21 we are to prove all things hold fast that which is good it's our obligation it's our job to reason correctly Number two, not handling the word of God properly, that is not understanding the difference between the covenants, Second Timothy 2, verse 15. You know, that's a big thing. Uh, most people these days do not understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They don't even know what law we're living under. And, and, and that may contribute to what we were saying earlier, Jacob. Some people saying that the Bible contradicts itself. Because they don't understand that the Bible is written to different people in different times and there are different covenants under discussion. The Old Testament taught the children of Israel to make animal sacrifices. The New Testament does not require animal sacrifices of Christians because we're living uh, under the law of Christ and his blood is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, This whole idea of the Ten Commandments and some of the Old Testament not being abolished uh, certainly has caused a lot of confusion and a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Uh, Kent goes on to say another reason, number three, not understanding that the apostolic age has passed. Uh, I think he references 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 13 there, especially talking about the age of miracles, the direct interaction of the Holy Spirit uh, miraculously in men's lives to give direct miraculous guidance. He's not doing that anymore, but some people think he is. If I thought the Holy Spirit was speaking to me today, you're going to have a hard time convincing me. If, and I've had people actually say this to me. All you got is a book. I got the Holy Spirit. You got a book. I got the Holy Spirit telling me things directly. Right. And you're not going to be able to convince me anything out of that book when I believe that the Holy Spirit is talking to me directly. So I think... Ken's and right and if, if the Holy Spirit's talking to you and he's talking to me, but we're doing different things, then... That, that's going to cause division too. If I if I have this idea that the Holy Spirit is telling me to do something, but He's telling you do, and you're doing something different, then there's division right then and there. We don't have an absolute yeah, standard. Exactly right. Real quickly, not making proper distinction between language that is literal, literal versus language that's figurative, and that's a big problem. So like the Book of Revelation, we're studying that in, uh, in our Bible class on Sunday mornings here at College View. If you try to to force a literal interp- a meaning on a statement that was made figuratively, you're going to get confusion every time. That's a good point. Uh, Number five, not understanding the necessity of Bible authority or how to ascertain it. So important. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 3.17. And number six, he says, not making proper distinction regarding Bible authority as it relates to individual action versus collective or local church action. All really good points, Kent. I wish we had more time to talk about those things, but uh, certainly all those kind of things and more contribute to the division we see in the religious world today. And we've already noted that it's not acceptable with God, and it shouldn't be acceptable with us. And the only way we can have unity is if there is an absolute standard. That's the only way. It won't come from creeds. It won't come from opinions. It won't come from us all just trying to figure out what is the best way. It's only going to come from an absolute standard. And applying that absolute standard and demanding that others do the same. That's the only way that we can avoid this religious confusion and disagreement. We were talking about, uh, Kent's email was talking about not discerning between the Old Testament and New Testament, and guest 1743 adds, there are Christians that don't understand that the Ten Commandments don't apply to us today. Uh, I think he's right. Uh, you know, you say that, if you make that point, we're not living under the Ten Commandment law. 
people just almost, you know, go ballistic. You mean we don't believe in the Ten Commandments? Well, we believe the Ten Commandments are there in the Bible, and they were given by God, but not to us. They were given to the Israelites under the law of Moses. We adhere to nine of the ten because they are repeated verbatim or in concept in the New Testament. But we live by those nine, not because they're the Old Testament Ten Commandments, but because they're part of the law of Christ. Of course, the exception being commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. There are lots of verses we could look at to show that the Ten Commandments were part of the Old Testament. I'd refer you to Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Yeah. That Old Testament covenant was engraved on stone. What was engraved on stone? That was the Ten Commandments. And it passed away. And it was passing away. All right, All right. We're, out of, we're, we're past time. Out of time. Uh, we're out of time. Josh, thank you for your comments tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Dad, thank you for Thanks. your good discussion. And Thanks, Jacob. We, thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you have any questions about what we said, give us a call. Leave us a message, 877-381-4567. Send us an email, questions at com. And why not make a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, something you'd like to hear discussed on this forum let us know questions at collegeu.com we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word of the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it thanks for listening to the virtual bible study brought to you by the college view church of christ the college view church of christ meets at 1618 hampshire pike in columbia tennessee if you are in the columbia tennessee area we encourage you to worship with the college view church of christ on sunday mornings at 9 30 and on sunday evenings at six o'clock the college view church of christ also welcomes you to attend their wednesday night bible studies at seven o'clock if you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the college College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.